TED Audio Collective. The nature of community, where we find it and where we go to be part of it, is changing. Blame it on the advent of chat rooms in the early 90s, the Facebook groups of the mid-2000s, or virtual reality spaces and the metaverses that became pivotal for many during the pandemic. Still, if someone tells you they find community online, you might be skeptical, especially if they tell you they're gamers. But as of 2022, video game consumption has reached over 3 billion people around the world. And this incredible growth has transformed gamers from a niche interest group to one of the largest and most dynamic social forces around. One that is already beginning to reflect and influence the major cultural issues of our time. I'm Sherelle Dorsey, and this is TED Tech. Today, futurist Noah Rafford asks us to consider how these communities will shape our world in the coming years and what we can do right now to ensure that influence is a force for good and not evil. Because who doesn't love a good side quest, am I right? Support for TED Tech comes from Odoo. What is Odoo? Well, Odoo is an all-in-one management software with apps for every business need. Odoo has apps for CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, manufacturing, and everything in between. And they're all-in-one, easy-to-use software. And the best part about Odoo? All Odoo apps are integrated, helping you get things done faster and more efficiently. So when you think about business, think Odoo. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash tedtech. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash tedtech. This show is brought to you by Schwab. You're here because you like to keep a pulse on trends in technology. Well, now you can invest in what's trending in artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more with Schwab Investing Themes. It's an easy way to invest in ideas you believe in. Schwab's research process uncovers emerging trends. Then their technology curates relevant stocks into themes. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy all the stocks in a theme as is or customize to better fit your investing goals. All in a few clicks. Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until... That presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? The real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. Want to dive into how technology and black spirituality intersect? Or confront the challenges new tech is creating? Maybe even catch a vision of hope for the future? Check out Moral Repair, a black exploration of tech. A podcast about the innovations that make our world and break our societies. And how we can all heal just a bit. Available on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Do you spend more money on virtual fashion and video games 
than you do on physical clothes. About a third of all teenage gamers in America do. Do you think the government is actually run by a secret cabal of demon-worshipping perverts? About 50 million people do. These numbers sound crazy to you. It's because they are, but they're also a sign of things to come. The world feels like a pretty insane place right now.、And、if you spend any time on the internet at all, you can probably tell that people think it's going to get a lot worse. Now, that may be the case, but this feeling is why I believe that we're going to see a rise in social unrest in the coming decades, and that it's going to come from a surprising place: video games. Now, before you think, is this going to be another talk linking video games to violence? Sorry to disappoint you. That's been proven conclusively wrong, and that is really old thinking. But what I am going to argue is that video games are going to become the platform through which tomorrow's social battles will be fought, and the source of recruitment for some of the strangest and possibly most impactful social movements of the future. I like to call these video game cults. Sounds kind of scary, I admit. But I hope to show how they might also be used as a tool to cause some serious hope. Now, this is all just my personal opinion, but I started thinking about this a few years ago after I heard a very interesting story while working in the Gulf. The story was about Hassan ibn Saba, a charismatic young preacher who lived about a thousand years ago in an age full of drama, conflict, and social change. Hassan became famous for creating the Order of Assassins. A fanatically devoted group of young men known as the Fedayeen, those who sacrifice themselves. His men were so devoted to him that it, the legend goes they would throw themselves from the rafters to their death at his command. Actually, this is where we get the expression "a leap of faith" from. It just got me thinking: Why would someone do this? What could convince someone so fervently to believe in something that they would welcome their own death? The answer is 11th-century virtual reality. See, Hassan had cultivated a myth that he could send people to heaven and bring them back again without actually having to die. And of course, he didn't actually have this power. But before a mission, the story goes, he would dose his soldiers with massive amounts of hash. <laughs> Their enemies actually called him the Hashashin, which is also where we get the word assassin from. This would knock them out, and then he would lower them down into a secret garden he had built behind his mountain fortress. Designed to look exactly like a replica of heaven. Waking up in the simulated paradise, his men would gorge themselves on all the things they had been denied in life. Then, after a night of ecstasy, they would awaken back in their barracks, convinced of Hassan's powers, eager to fulfill his suicide missions in order to return to heaven again. So, what does this have to do with today? Well, most scholars agree that this is probably just a myth, but that's not the point. The point is that people believed deeply in Hassan and his vision for the world, and were willing to sacrifice their lives for it. He gave them a sense of meaning and purpose during a time of great uncertainty—a purpose which he communicated using the best tools of his day. And that is what brings us to video games. Video games are already the world's dominant form of entertainment. They're three times larger than the entire global film and music industries combined. Every year, the top streamers on Twitch receive, on average, twice as many views as the biggest Hollywood movies, and collectively, 
we spend twice as much time watching and playing video games as we do using all other forms of social media combined. That's a lot of eyeballs. Game sales are huge, but the real action is in in-game economies, where people spend over $130 billion a year buying and selling virtual goods online. Everything from outfits to avatars to vehicles to weapons to dances to architecture to music to access to live events and more. I haven't even mentioned NFT or Web3, but these hopefully will become the infrastructure that drives this going forward.、And、the reason games are so successful is because they provide a deep sense of engagement, community, and purpose. Yes, we use them to escape and to entertain, and that's okay. But at their best, they speak to some of our primal social and psychological needs, from feeling effective to achieving our goals to belonging to a group. To working for something bigger than yourself. Describing his experience in a top World of Warcraft guild, the player Wincy once wrote, "It felt so amazing." Thinking back, it was probably the most intense, positive, emotional experience of my life. Not my kid being born, not getting married. My mind was convinced we were in a war against an insurmountable foe, and we won. You can probably see where I'm going with this. Although he later went on to regret the amount of time he spent online, gamers develop a deep sense of commitment to a shared narrative world—a world which provides for them in a way that real-world jobs and relationships often do not. And this is already the world that our children live in. The only thing that my son and daughter want for their birthdays are Skyblocks coins and digital emotes for their characters. Most of their social time outside of school is spent hanging out. In game with their friends, my son Teo—he's already flipping NFTs to, in his words, get rich as quickly as possible so he can take care of us when the world falls apart. Thanks, Teo. Appreciate that. That's why I think games are going to be one of the driving forces of tomorrow's culture. But if that's the games part, what about the cults part? Well, I'm sure we could all agree that the coming years are going to be interesting, to say the least. From climate change, mass migration, pandemics, job loss, and now war, the future feels terrifying for many people, and this is having a tremendous impact on our mental health. One third of all U.S. undergraduates surveyed report having moderate to severe anxiety. Their rates of suicidal thinking and severe depression doubled over the last decade or so. And COVID didn't help. But it's not just the U.S. either. Two-thirds of those surveyed in a study of 17 different countries reported that they thought their children were going to grow up poorer and not have successful careers. In other words, the world feels like it's falling apart for a lot of people. And when worlds fall apart, people start looking for answers wherever they can find them. And charismatic leaders like Hassan have always been happy to provide them, and their actions have shaped the course of history. From the Protestant Reformation in the 16th century to the rise of new religious movements in the 19th century, every era of social change historically has been followed by a wave of new believers and fanatical behavior. QAnon is just the most recent example. And while each generation's cults look different, and the definition of a cult is certainly up for debate, they do share general characteristics. The first is that they inspire a sense of higher purpose, often through a lens of good versus evil, where you are the hero. It creates a sense of passion or commitment that seems insane or irrational to the outsider. And the second is that they adopt the form of 
and use the tools of the dominant organizations of their day, from the church to the corporation to the social media network to our subject for today, the metaverse. So, what happens when you mix billions of people looking for meaning, safety, and security with widespread virtual worlds, crypto economies, and gaming culture? The answer, I believe, is game cults. Large-scale social movements, powered by extreme or bizarre beliefs, birthed in virtual worlds, driven by game dynamics, but with real-world consequence. The future is about to get weird. We can already see examples of this all around us. We just haven't had a name for it yet. Softer versions look like BTS stands swarming Donald Trump rallies online, but more extreme versions look like Hezbollah's own custom-made video game called Special Forces, designed to recruit young people and train them to kill their enemies. White nationalist groups are hosting Call of Duty tournaments online to attract followers, and there are Roblox games where you can drive your car through Black Lives Matter protesters. Or assume the role of Kyle Rittenhouse and shoot anti-fascist protesters. And there are many other examples, but all of them are wrapped in a layer of Discord servers and YouTube channels and podcasts that act as a funnel to draw you deeper into a web of extremism and radical behavior. What starts on the screen no longer stays on the screen. QAnon is a perfect example of this. What started on 4chan and Facebook mutated into a live-action role-playing group for evangelical militants, and ended up as an anti-vaccination campaign. Before you know it, we have a million excess deaths from COVID in the United States, and a political landscape far stranger than anything we've ever seen. The same is going to be true for games. First, you're a player, then you're a fan. Soon, you're in a clan, and before you know it. You're invading the capital. So, I'm a futurist, and there's a saying with futurists that your job is not to just predict the automobile, but to predict the traffic jams. So, what might this look like in 10 or 20 years, when widespread augmented and virtual reality meets thriving crypto economies in a generalized crisis of meaning? Well, in the future, games are going to be everywhere. They're going to move from our screens and onto the streets around us. Hundreds of millions, if not billions, of people will be buying, selling, making, and trading virtual goods online. They're going to assume roles as characters, follow quests, and get real-world money for in-game performance. Guilds, corporations, and clans will form around them. They might start offering salaries, paying benefits, and providing real-world services like education or healthcare or even security. People's entire lives will be built around their characters. And their stories, particularly if things get really bad, and those stories will come to dominate popular culture and politics. Now, thankfully, not all of them will be harmful, but some will be violently evangelical in their nature. It's got me thinking: there must be a better way that we can use these dynamics to heal instead of harm. So I started thinking. What might this look like? How can we explore possible futures for positive game cults? So here are just three examples I came up with a few friends. Consider Druidica, a Minecraft-like nature game designed to restore damaged ecosystems and preserve indigenous knowledge. Or perhaps Walkabout, 
a Rust-like survival game for refugees designed to encourage skill sharing, interdependence, and mutual aid linked to scriptural messages of tolerance and compassion. Or perhaps Temple, a pray-to-earn game linked to a network of non-denominational meditation spaces where players can perform coordinated acts of care to level up on the good works board, a kind of decentralized church of kindness powered maybe by Holy Coin. It's clear that something like this is coming. The question is, what can we do about it now? As we've learned from social media, technological fixes and regulatory restrictions will only go so far. And in the attention economy of political priorities, game cults are clearly quite low. But that's okay. It means we still have time to do something about them. That's why I think that everyone, from policymakers to players to game designers and gamers, should be having a conversation about what this means right now. If you are a media company, you should be how, talking to experts in radicalization. If you are a, a game company. You should be speaking to those who don't understand gaming dynamics and the communities around them. If you're a church or a religious institution, you should be understanding how people use these tools to build beliefs and what they're believing. And finally, perhaps most importantly, if you're a parent, you should be playing games with your kids to understand the world that they're growing up in and to have a conversation with them about the role that they might play in it. Someone's going to connect these dots. The question is. Who is going to be our modern-day Hassan? And will the games of tomorrow be games of subjugation and domination, or inspiration and liberation? It's really up to us. Thank you. This podcast is supported by Tools and Weapons, the podcast hosted by Microsoft Vice Chair and President Brad Smith. Each episode features insight you won't find anywhere else from the center of the conversation surrounding emerging technologies like AI. Right now on the podcast, you can hear a special episode where Brad Smith lays out Microsoft's vision for a vibrant marketplace driving the new AI economy. To hear more, follow or subscribe to Tools and Weapons with Brad Smith wherever you get your podcasts. Support for the show comes from Brooks Running. I'm so excited because I have been a runner, gosh, my entire adult life, and for as long as I can remember, I have run with Brooks Running shoes. Now I'm running with a pair of Ghost 16s from Brooks. Incredibly lightweight shoes that have really soft cushioning. It feels just right when I'm hitting my running trail that's just out behind my house. You now can take your daily run in the better than ever Go 16. You can visit brooksrunning.com to learn more. Rafford's vision of the future might feel a little like the Matrix. I mean, the idea of industries getting beamed up from the physical world into one that is augmented by our devices and games sounds like a William Gibson novel. But it may, in fact, come to be our reality. I mean, I'm not much of a gamer myself, but I do have friends and colleagues who turn to gaming as a way to unwind and connect with others. I even know people who made new friends in 2020 during the most isolating times of the pandemic, all thanks to gaming. So I've personally borne witness to gaming's power to create strong bonds of community. And when Rafford says this is a world-altering force, I believe him. And I'm excited by his proposition that right now is the moment to interrogate this force and point it in a positive direction. Instead of normalizing and commodifying warfare, for instance, 
video games could incentivize behaviors like meditation, conflict resolution, analysis, and empathy, and then deliver these values to billions with little more than the click of a button. The time is now to shape that future and bend it towards more positive ends. So what are we waiting for? TED Tech is part of the TED Audio Collective. This episode was produced by Isabel Carter, who also wrote it with me, Sherelle Dorsey. Our editor is Jimmy Gutierrez, and the show is fact-checked by Christiane Aparta. Special thanks to Farah DeGrunge for her support as a project manager. I'm Sherelle Dorsey. Let's keep digging into the future. Join me next week for more. You're growing a business, and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate, no coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started.